Hello listeners, welcome to the Aruka Network podcast with me, Jake Lloyd. If you work to serve others, whether in your community or country or globally, how do you stay resilient? And more than that, how do you thrive? This month, we're hearing from someone who has set up an organisation to help and advise people who want to answer these questions. Build deep and meaningful relationships with friends, spend time with family, and know how you respond to stress. That's the voice of Leanne Kennedy. She's one of the founders of Thrive Worldwide, which, in its own words, is encouraging and resourcing people and organisations who are creating a better world to thrive in body, mind and spirit. They provide healthcare services, teaching and consultancy to corporations, to churches, to NGOs and to others. So I've been speaking to Leanne and we cover a lot of ground in this interview. I think there's something for everyone here. For example, what's important when you're starting an organisation and how to build a community in a dispersed network and her advice to emerging female leaders and also some tips for self-care. But my first question was this. Why exactly do people who are making the world a better place need the help of others? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And and I always go back to whenever I'm on a plane and the air hostess says that you should put on your own oxygen mask first before putting on somebody else's. And I think that's the same concept when caregivers are providing care for others that actually they need to be looking after themselves because it is demanding and stressful work. I kind of think about it like if it's a jug of water and you're pouring out actually there needs to be a re like kind of a refilling of that water jug as well and and that's where we come in to really help individuals emotionally and physically and spiritually to re refill themselves I guess in terms of that jug of water and um, to prioritize their own well-being so that they can really do the great work that they're doing much more effectively and um, you know full of life and joy as well. So You've started this organisation with a, a pretty much a blank slate. What have you decided is important from the outset in terms of, you know, your organisational values or structure? We we really spent a lot of time on that because we did have this blank canvas. And, and so the group of founders decided, actually, we're going to take a retreat and we're going to go away for four days. And we, we went to the coast in Kenya and together as a team spent time pressing into those big questions what's our purpose and then so in terms of values we really spent a lot of time thinking about who we were as individuals who our clients were and and actually what was the kind of problem that we were looking to solve um, and so really excited to end up where we did. One of our values is to thrive, um, which in some ways is a bit cheesy, but actually as Thrive Worldwide, we really need to be thriving ourselves and and, and modeling what that looks like in order to, I believe, really serve our clients well. What what does thrive mean to you? Um, I think thrive for me is a bit of an ongoing journey. I think it's quite a loaded word and it's very interesting at the minute. Um, every, you know, as I'm kind of browsing online, reading blogs, I'm seeing the word thrive so much more um, since we've we've established that name. And not because of us, but because I'm so much more aware of thrive, um, I see it a lot more. And I think for me, it really is about life to the full. Um, and 
I think it is about also being present in the moment. And, and it's not just about happiness and about prosperity and, and joy. I think thriving is actually also allowing yourself to, to be in that time of pain and sorrow as well. And and really for me, thriving is about growing and, and it's kind of about that journey. So I'm I'm on a personal journey of defining what thrive is. What does that mean for me? as a CEO and a founder? What does that mean for the organization that I'm leading? Um, what does that mean for the work that we're doing and for client organizations? So it's an ongoing journey and it's a key priority for us in 2018 to press into more research and how do we define um, thriving? What kind of frameworks can we develop on, on that? But I think ultimately for me, it is about living life to the full and it's about it's about growing as as an individual, as a being on this earth. Was it Oxfam who recently moved the headquarters from, where, where was it, London to Nairobi yes. or something like that? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And you're obviously based um, in the same place. Is there a distinct advantage, do you think, to being in Nairobi as opposed to London or another Western city? Yeah, like uh, for me, before I started up Thrive, I, I kind of took time out to reevaluate where did I want to be based. And, um, I, you know, for me, Nairobi is very much home and I have my community here now. But I also love life in London and I'm from Northern Ireland. So I was like, OK, where where in the world do I base myself for for Thrive? And half of our team are in London and half of our team are in Nairobi. And I actually felt it was really important for me to stay in Nairobi. Um, and one of the reasons that I felt that was important was, you know, our, our mission is not um, just about supporting NGOs and their, their staff at HQ, be that in London or New York or wherever it might be. But it is about um, supporting national staff in Somalia, in South Sudan. Um, and actually being on the ground and having been here for the last four years, I think it really helps me personally with my perspective on staff care needs and, and what's happening at the local level, not just the global level. And so to be able to see that full picture, um, I think it's harder to do so from London. And then with you all being scattered, you know, some in the UK, some in Kenya, perhaps some further afield, how, how, do, you, how do you generate community and relationships within an organisation? Yeah, and, and I would say at the outset, it's not easy, but we honestly believe that as a startup, relationship has to be at the core of this. And we're going to be successful if we have relationships internally that are real. And so part of that, um, as I mentioned, in terms of having that time in Kenya together was to really build the relationships from the outset with the founders. We've kind of really pressed into what does what's a really good virtual working culture look like? And, and it's interesting removing the word virtual it's really about how do we work well as a team together it doesn't matter where we are but how do we work well as a team and the reality of that is we know that we're going to have to use technology to really support us communicating well and working on projects together so we're using things like slack and asana for project management we've got whatsapp groups etc that just really enable us to have those water cooler conversations that we don't normally get to have and, you know, moving forward, we're currently working on our budget and we know that we have to budget in travel. We know that face to face relationships are also priceless and um, where we want to build 
as much of a kind of virtual working culture as we can. Um, but we know that we need time together as a community. And so so I think that you've got to really use technology to its fullness. And there are so many great technology apps out there that you can use to really make work efficient and to collaborate well. I think the second thing is, you know, where you can allow budget for travel so that you can have teams come together where the budget allows. And I think the the last thing is you've got to have the intentionality there um, to make relationships work. It takes time. It takes effort. But actually, if you don't have trust or the relationships, I think it's very difficult. Well, for us, at least to achieve our vision. I think you're an interesting example of how charity and business and enterprise has evolved so you're setting up an organization to help people but you're creating a business not a charity do you want to explain explain that decision yeah and I I I sometimes wonder if if do we get hung up on that question are you a charity or are you a business and and you know our aim is to make the world a better place when we want to support the people at the front line are doing that and so actually what matters to me most is our purpose and why we exist and, and who are we I think from a sort of technical perspective, so we sell our consultancy services, our training, our, our counselling, our medical appointments, and so organisations pay for that. It's not just exclusive to NGOs, we also work with others, but because we sell, I think it makes it more difficult for us to be recognised as an NGO, to receive the grants and the funding from donors, and so we felt the most appropriate way for us to register was actually to become a business and to really think about okay what what is our aim when it comes to being a business and how do we want to give back as an organization as well so yeah I think that there's something about really focusing on purpose rather than status which is what we've done so that's so that's who you are then in terms of who you work with like it says on your website uh, we work with NGOs, mission agencies, consultancy firms and corporates, churches, journalists and consultants, uh, uh, volunteer gap and expedition um, people. I mean, is, is your working relationship with these people different according to what they do? Do you work with a corporation differently to how you'd work with a church or are all the principles the same? So I would say that the overarching principles um, would be the same, but I think that the context really varies. So we have actually got different individuals that specialize. So, for example, we have a couple of the team that specialize in understanding the needs of the church. I think that the context in the church will be is, I, I know, very different to a humanitarian organization working in an emergency response in Yemen. And so it's understanding that context and how to apply those principles. And so what's really critical for us is actually to bring on individuals and consultants that have specialism both within their particular field, be that travel health or psychological health or um, organizational development, and and then actually to apply that to the context. Yes, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, I think so. Let, let's move on to, to you. I think we've talked, to, we talked about the organization, but what about you as a leader, an emerging leader, if you like? Um, what what do you think makes a good leader and who do you who do you admire it's an interesting question and and i think that it's really important for for people to have others that they're looking 
up to in terms of leaders. And there are definitely a few people that I'm kind of actively following at the minute in terms of their podcasts and blogs, um, be that from like Donald Miller to Henry Cloud to John C. Maxwell, some leaders whose books have been really helpful to me over the years. And I think one of the other things that I was reflecting on is that actually I have some amazing colleagues and co-founders as part of Thrive who have, I won't say how many years more experience than I do, but who I'm really learning from. And so I love that as, a, as an organization and as a team, we have a real collaboration in terms of peer-to-peer learning. And so I would really hold them in high regard as well. We have a lot of young female leaders or emerging leaders in our network. What kind of things would you advise to them? Or what are your experiences of, or thoughts on being a, a woman in a position of leadership? So I think that the first thing is that you have you've got to know who you are. Um, I think that it is so easy to let noise from the outside, be that social media, other people's expectations, numerous different sources of noise that come in. And that inner voice sometimes tells female leaders that they're not good enough or, or they're too young or they can't do that job. And, and I think that that is just not true. <laughs> and so I think the first thing is that know who you are and um, be bold in who you are and believe in who you are. My second point would be to be kind to yourself. We can be very critical on ourselves and and very harsh but actually, we, we need to um, be kind to ourselves, to love ourselves before we can really do our job effectively. And so I would really encourage um, young leaders to know what is it that you love to do? What refills you? So, for example, I spent this weekend baking because I love to bake. That's a creative outlet for me and something I grew up doing with my nan and my mom. And so that's kind of what I did on Saturday after a really busy week. And um, I now feel great on a Monday. But it's kind of building in those times just to kind of treat yourself because many young leaders will work hard and strive. Um, and so I guess my encouragement is rather than strive, a little bit cheesy, but thrive, put in the the time to to do the things that you love, put in time to the relationships that are really important to you. I think that we will see that actually equipping us to be more focused, to be more effective um, when we're working and leading rather than less. So I think my third point is always to to continue dreaming and, and not to let go of the ambitions and the goals that you have. I think it's really important to to look forward. It's you know, not taking away the importance of living in the present, but actually know what your goals are, know what your dreams are um, and, and keep pursuing those and don't give up. So we're a, we're a network of people who work in community development and often community work is slow and difficult and does not come with much you know financial rewards and the comforts that come with all of that and obviously you guys help support people who are doing good things in terms of just emotional well-being and taking care of yourself and avoiding burnout what are some of the principles you've learnt or discovered in your work of of supporting people who are doing good so I think the first point um and we know this is really important for resilience is actually your family and your friends who who is your psychosocial network relationships are fundamental and for me personally I know something that's been really important is relationships outside of my work um, and even relationships outside of people that are involved in any of the kind of workspace that I am so I, I think that that is a really fundamental principle 
build deep and meaningful relationships with friends, spend time with family, especially I guess in some of the settings that Aruka works in as well, that, that you know, we, we know how important the family network is. And, and I think that that's, that's a fundamental component of staying resilient. The second is, you know, why you're doing the work in terms of your, your meaning and, and motivation. Why are, you, why are you doing this work? And I think that it's maybe a little bit easy to say, but if you're really not enjoying your work, why are you doing it? Look for another opportunity so that you can be happier. I, I think that life is too short to be in a work that you really don't enjoy. And um, I love living in Kenya because it's so exciting in terms of how many people start up their own new businesses. The entrepreneurial spirit and, and innovation is fantastic. And so, you know, start something on the side that maybe you're interested in that gives you life, whether that's, you know, making something in terms of creative arts or um, writing stories, whatever it might be. But I just a real encouragement to to enjoy work. And the other thing that I would say is know how you respond to stress. So what happens? Do you get angry? Do you eat more? How does your body and how does your emotions respond when you're getting stressed? And stay in tune with that. So if you notice yourself starting to get more irritated or, or anxious or angry, take a moment to pause and to figure out, you know, okay, actually, this is not the path I want to go down. So what am I going to do about it? And then it comes back to what are your self-care strategies? What are the things that you have in place to look after yourself? And I would just encourage yeah, everyone to do that. And that's part of self-awareness, which I think is, again, a really great strategy for resilience. Leanne Kennedy there with some really useful tips for taking care of your own psychological and emotional well-being as you go about your work. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you do have any feedback, whether good or bad, please do send it to me. My email address is jake at arukanetwork.org. So that's it for this month. Until next time, bye-bye.